Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Jason Maledsky. And I'm Melanie Curtis. Our mission is to live, love, laugh, and learn together with you. Amen. We are here to grow and create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust, trusting the entire journey. You've obviously found us somewhere in the magical land of the internet. If you would like to more precisely locate us, we are located at trustthejourney.today. That's our handle pretty much everywhere. If you type that in in your search bar, it will take you directly to our website. If you go to our website, you could do something like purchase some swag on Amazon or sign up for our email newsletter so you get notifications about new episodes or you could hit the Patreon donate button at the bottom. It's a big purple button, and that will take you to Patreon, trustthejourney.today, and you could become a Patreon supporter of the show, which we would massively appreciate. It's so important to help uh, keep the show going, and we want to send a big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Everybody who supports the show through Patreon becomes a member of the Trust the Journey family, and the Trust the Journey family is a facebook group that we curate and it's a safe space for everybody to share into it's an emotionally safe space on the internet where we don't have to worry about each other shooting each other down we're actually there to support one another and to help each other and so that's great it's a really fun safe wonderful place and we invite you to be a member and so does everybody else in there and please consider supporting us on patreon if you can't support us on patreon hit like hit share follow subscribe give us a rating a review all those things help to support the show absolutely we are also now officially open for sponsorship and partnership with advertisers we feel like it's time for that um and Again, these are intended to be aligned partnerships. So if that's you, if you're hearing this and you feel like you would be a good advertiser, sponsor of the show, we want to hear from you. Drop us a DM on Instagram, trustthejourney.today. And yeah, reach out and we'll see. Our intention is that all of our advertisers that we select are going to also continue to be of value to our listenership. So know that it won't be one of those situations where we just take everything and it's just about money. It's it's really about that partnership and the win-win that is created when that happens. So yeah, speaking of win-wins, Kimberly Joy Voice is our audio editor and engineer. She's incredible. If you need podcast editing services or just help with this type of audio work, uh, Kim helped me edit my Audible book as well. So she does really, really good work and you can get her at KimberlyJoyVoice.com. And uh, yeah, Jay, what else? Uh, if you're looking to reach out to either of us individually, you can find me at Jason underscore Maledsky on Instagram. Melanie is Melanie, uh, MelanieCurtis.com, all of her stuff. And available for keynote speaking, Miss Melanie Curtis right there if you're That's looking right. for somebody. And I'm going to throw a little props out to the Desert Soul Collective, the other entity that I'm doing a lot of work with lately. Great group of people who are making dreams reality and uh, putting on some amazing events. So today we are going to talk about a painful topic, a tough one. Oof. Mm. The topic itself, pain. (laughs) I know. Mm. It's like, what a prompt. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's deep dive on pain. <laughs> Some sometimes we can find our way to the point of laughing into it, right? Like occasionally we can get there. But it's not always the easiest thing. I think the topic itself is one that's pretty easy to want to avoid. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not one that we would generally say, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that tomorrow. That sounds great. (laughs) You know, we generally run in the other direction. Um, What were your thoughts when we started to uh, put this topic on the table? I my I wouldn't say it was thought my reaction was uh. <laughs> mm. but mm. but i also have a great commitment to exploring those spaces and those dark corners and i think we have a perfect space to do that i think it is also of high high value i think um yeah and i think it's just helpful to you and me as well so not stoked, but also all for it. Cool. I put some thought into the topic and I found myself mixing two topics together. I pretty consistently had pain and fear Mm. overlapping. Mm. It was difficult for me to think about pain as an individual topic without also associating fear. And so I found that just in itself, I found that to be a worthy point of, of thought, a point to, to meditate on and to think about. Yeah. And one of the things that came up around it was um, a, a perception that I have had and held as a younger person and didn't really relate to or understand until I've become an older person and the association is in seeing people get older and start to back away from some of the things that they did when they're younger and and it seems as though they become afraid of them when as something I've learned as I've gotten older is that they've experienced pain and as a result of some of these things and now they choose not to because they're fearful of experiencing pain again Mm -hmm. and whatever type of pain that is. And that led me down the road of, oh, the different types of pain. Yeah. Oh, so such a powerful starting point to this conversation because yeah, half, half of fear is keeping us from emotional pain, period. You know, like, uh, if not all, you know what I mean? Keeping us from what we imagine will be emotionally painful that we don't want to experience again. Yeah. I love that you started with that because I would, I completely agree. Even though I didn't write that down on my list when I was prepping, I was more thinking stories and other concepts that are adjacent to pain. Um, But yeah, I think that's really important to look and go. And I mean, I guess what I did write down that's in line with this particular starting point is looking at any kind of pain as our guide to an emotional pain that we want to fear or bodily pain as a guide to an emotional pain that we want to clear and 
I feel like fear is also like that. So if we have a fear, it's also that avenue and potential guide to a pain point that's in us more deeply that we need to look at more closely to clear. So we've got a couple of things that have come up since we kind of sort of dive in a little deeper into this area or digging it, cleaning out this corner of the closet. It's the concept of emotional pain versus physical pain. That was the, that's the biggest one that I'm hearing in there. And then the relationship of fear to either one of those mm-hmm. topics or, mm-hmm. or, or types of pain. So, uh, emotional pain versus physical pain seems to me physical pain is easier for mm. some reason. This is just, just, just me reacting here. I'm not measuring off any set of scale or like known statistics or studies that have been done. I'm just immediately going from my gut. Physical pain is physical pain, but emotional pain is scary. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. Right. Speaking of the Trust the Journey family uh, that we mentioned in the beginning, Katie, she is a member of the Trust the Journey family, and she is a stress and pain management coach. And she basically has dealt with chronic pain her whole life. She shares very publicly about her story with pain and certainly emotional pain. There's her. I invite you all to check her out. It's katierigley.com. But why I bring her up is that she. Her story showcases the path from physical chronic pain and the experience of that, which I have never experienced. So I, it's difficult for me to empathize with someone in chronic physical pain. You know what I mean? Other than kind of mapping Mm -hmm. my own prolonged experiences with emotional pain. Um, but I, I think that's definitely important to note about this idea of like, okay, what is chronic pain and what is the path anyway, just to kind of tie Katie up in a bow a little bit. She shares about how she has healed herself and gotten herself so much more out of this chronic pain experience. And that possibility that that possibility even exists can sometimes be a super powerful antidote to the emotional pain around the fear of having physical pain, if that makes sense. The layer of that fear and the and the pain points. So uh, uh, differentiating chronic pain and chronic pain and acute pain, both physical types of pain, one acute being short term, essentially it comes, you have it for a period of time, it's gone. Chronic pain being a kind of pain that just continues to linger and stay around forever and ever. And it seems like it'll never go away. And then the emotional relationship to that chronic pain and, and and we're talking about alleviating that connection to it. Yeah. What, yeah. What is healing it? What does that look like? I mean, I, I just can imagine maybe I'm wrong, but I can imagine people with chronic pain have a, have a 
limiting belief that it is unhealable because all, you know, whatever duration of their life experience points to it is not solvable. But this can be that that frame, that limiting belief can be applied to emotionally charged experiences. Oh, I will always be alone or I will whatever, like any kind of emotional pain point that seems to be supported by their life experience versus a more open view of the future that we can't predict being like, I simply haven't had the opportunity to have this experience or I haven't whatever, whatever. Just the, again, like opening our mind to possibilities can be an antidote to the fear that is attached to these pain points. So I am, I'm well-versed in the concept and the topic of chronic pain. I've suffered with chronic pain for most of my life. Mm-hmm. I injured my back as a younger person foolishly and struggled with back pain since. And about, um, about 10, nine or 10 years ago, I started to suffer from serious herniated discs in my lower back. And that was to the point of being debilitating where I had to retire from my career as a canopy pilot and reduced my amount of activity less and less and less and less down to a point where I was about five years ago on the couch pretty much all the time walking or standing about 15 to 30 minutes a day, just enough to go back and forth to the bathroom. And most of the time, to tell you the truth, I wouldn't even get up. I would have a urinal Mm -hmm. to be able to pee. So my chronic pain and severe chronic pain was at a point where I was becoming disabled and I was terrified And it was starting to really, really scare me because Mm -hmm. I'm so used to activity as being one of the ways that I manage my sense of well-being and uh, general concept of identity of who I am is related to my body, having having the movement in my body. And Mm -hmm. that chronic pain became incredibly overwhelming to where it's just all that you are all the time. It's just in that pain. So I've, I've spoken to Katie yeah, and I've, I've, um, looked, watched her story and her progression. And I wasn't sure if we were going to get around to this right away or not, but I do want to tell a story in relationship to this chronic pain because I'm sitting yeah, here right please, now please, and I'm not in pain on this moment. Yeah, amazing. So And this is a really incredible story because I eventually had a lower back surgery. I had a discectomy and a a microdiscectomy and a laminectomy. So Mm -hmm. what they did is they went in, this wonderful doctor, Dr. Patel, went and cut into my back and he went inside with some tools and he sliced away part of the disc that was protruding and he sliced away part of the bone that was impinging the spinal cord or the nerves between the disc and the bone so the whole idea is to remove the two parts that are pinching on the nerves because the nerve is getting really aggravated because it's getting rubbed on all the time and it's not supposed to be touched and I had this surgical procedure and it didn't really get better. Mm. It was actually really disappointing because they lay out a timeline for how the recovery is supposed to go. And they say in four weeks, you should be here and six weeks here, 12 weeks here, 
you know, 16 weeks. This is kind of the, you know, expected timeline. And what I found myself was more the opposite. 12, 16 weeks down the road, I was right back to where I had started and to the point where I was just as debilitated as I was before the surgery. And this was a mental mindfuck mm. because I was really scared yeah. that this had gone wrong, that something wasn't going to work. And I was still struggling with the same set of pains on a daily basis and really limited mobility, really limited functionality, a lot of just constantly just being in pain. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there, there we are, you know, two, three months after the surgery and the doctor's shaking his head. He's just like, I don't know. We do more MRIs. It looks fine. It shouldn't be like it is, but you can obviously tell, you know, if you touch it, there's the nerve, nerve responses. It's yeah. really sensitive. Things are still wrong. And we, he was a great doctor. I have to really give him some credit yeah. for taking the time. I can remember spending about two hours in his office. Mm -hmm. First of all, to get two hours with a doctor is unheard of these days. You're lucky to get five, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So we sat in his office for two hours and just explored every single route, every single possibility, went down every potential rabbit hole of like what it could be. And eventually he came up with only one diagnosis that said that wasn't in line with, um, what we had looked at in the past and it was a condition in which the pelvic wings both mm. sides of the pelvis are hypermobile, mm. and it can be related to the ligaments and tendons in the sacrum the very bottom part of the spine where it connects across the pelvis if those ligaments or tendons have been hyperextended okay. then the pelvic wings can move around a lot and that can cause a lot of pulling and pinching of the nerve uh, in the same area, causing the same symptoms. Uh, but this generally doesn't happen to men. Men don't usually have this symptom. Women have this symptom when they um, go to childbirth. Mm. The hips during pregnancy, the hips tend to flare open. And especially if it's a large baby, it can really um, change the dynamic of how the pelvis works. But he said this condition is just not seen in men. Right. So it's very perplexing. Um, and so fast forward, maybe another month or two months down the road, I have decided to sit in a plant medicine ceremony mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. work on emotional healing mm -hmm. on some areas that I was struggling with, with personal emotional pain. Yeah. And I took a large dose of psilocybin. And in the first 30 minutes of that ceremony, I started to become very uncomfortable. Mm. My back started to really hurt. And I was seated on a mat on the floor. And this was something if you've had back pain before, you're like sitting on the floor, right? Mm. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I need to be in like a lazy boy chair, basically, or, or laying down yeah. uh, to be comfortable at all. And... I started having a pain in my back and it was getting more aggravated and more aggravated and more aggravated. And I, eventually I'm just like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I can't think of anything else. I'm totally focused in on this pain on my back. And I realized that it's just calling my attention. It really just wants me to pay attention to it. And so I kind of just start letting myself, like I can't possibly ignore it anymore. So I lay back down and kind of start to just dive inside, close my eyes 
go inside my own body and make really subtle little movements of my hips and lower spine and glutes and kind of just feel what it, the causation of the pain is. Mm. And I could feel the nerve pulling as the hip flexed open uh -huh. and the pelvis pulls away from the spine. And I'm like, oh, I can feel what's happening here. It's not pinching the nerve that the doctor, the surgeon cured because yep. he did cure it. Yep. It is this movement. There is an, a hypermobility in here mm. that's been there that that is causing it. But um, and so I could relate to what the cause of the pain was and understand the, the causation. Mm -hmm. And in that, I found some peace in the like, oh, OK, I understand where the cause of this pain was. And then also simultaneously, my mind is taken towards personal challenges mm -hmm. and things that I've been working on and what part of my emotions I'm challenged with. And the the psilocybin experience ventures down the journey of my emotional well-being and how I feel about myself. And all of a sudden, I'm not thinking about my back anymore, but I'm thinking about how, whether I love myself and how I feel about my relationship to others and uh, some really deeper topics in yeah. the self-love area. And I came out of the ceremony and I felt notably better and notably like uh, I would say like a 50% increase, decrease in pain, Amazing. reduction in pain. And by the end of the week, I was to about a 90 or 95% reduction in the pain levels that wow. had been consistently there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I cried tears with, um, with our friend Shannon while these pains, denoting these pains alleviating and, then a week later, I'm on the phone going, look, I, I don't have basically any pain at all anymore. It's basically just gone. Yeah. And it's been really interesting to find my way through that process because that chronic pain had been there for years and years and years and become more and more and more debilitating and eventually found my way through the other side of it. And that here's the piece that kind of closes the whole circle is uh, I, when I went on to break my back a few years later, which more accidents, more play, more yeah, life. Yeah. I went in to have a CT scan and MRI on my back. And while they were doing the CT, they noted that I had had a broken pelvis and that the pelvis had refused itself. And wow. they asked me, when did you break your pelvis? And I couldn't answer because I don't know wow. when I broke my pelvis, but I now know why there was hypermobility mm. in my pelvis it's because wow. it was broken. Wow. So, yeah. But the whole piece of this to me is the relationship between the mental acuity, like the mental relationship to the pain, the physical cause of the pain, where it's located, what's actually causing it, and our ability to attach or detach from those causations or yeah I, that, that's really it is like are we able to identify the true causes and are we because i think that's probably the yeah the, the big topic you know oh it's for like, sure oh my gosh the medicine is profound 
is profoundly powerful. I have seen so many different things. And again, because I haven't had physical pain, I can only participate in this around the medicine and its healing work that it's done for me, certainly as in my emotional pain points, which has also been profound. Um, One time I was in ceremony and another person in ceremony. Basically, this is a very short story, and I'm not going to be breaking any confidence by sharing this, um, that this person had sort of locked jaw tightness with their jaw, like a lot of pain, a lot, a lot of pain. And in short, they had this really amazing, profound experience where they're, it in the ceremony, it just sort of like burst. And after that, absolutely no pain. Crazy, right? Now, I had to, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, after this happened to me, I went online and did some research and found chronic pain being listed as one of the things that potentially that a psilocybin ceremony can can address. Yeah, and this ceremony. And I had no idea was, that was even on the list. Yeah, it yeah. was a psilocybin ceremony as well. Um, granted, things can come back, can can come back to sort of the pre-ceremony thing if we're not integrating and and again, sort of integrating those lessons that we get. Um, that goes on both sides of the house, of course, as well. But yeah, I am a huge believer in this, like absolutely huge believer. I believe in the power of the medicine from my own experience and from the experiences I've seen and witnessed in others. It's, it's that, it's that huge in my, in my opinion. I think there's, uh, at least for my, for self, from my own story that there's credit due in a number of areas. The surgeon did great work in alleviating the physical issue, but that wasn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like the physical pain remained the like limited mobility, like really being stuck remained and the fear remained, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, that limiting mindset remained until something came along to help me release my hold on that fear. And I think that that's, that's that intertwining of fear and pain together. We have these, so I'm going to pivot from the physical pain, chronic pain to emotional pain. And I'm going to talk, think about, and I'll just put the idea on the table. How about your first heartbreak? Yeah, absolutely. As, as the, as a you know a type of pain where we feel like we'll never love again mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> before we deep dive on heartbreak i just want to really quickly as an aside it it's not only the medicine it's also the coaching and the facilitation with the medicine it's also the therapy that i've done it's also the skills that i've made an effort to develop so that i could integrate after the ceremony so it, it i don't want to just be like it's the medicine and the medicine does everything no 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 it's a multitude of factors and i agree with you that a multitude of healing avenues should be considered absolutely for sure um, given I had such a strong stance, I wanted to make sure that was clear, but yeah, so heart, uh, so you. heartbreak. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about pain. 
Well, that's, I mean, obviously I wrote down, I've talked about this so much on the podcast, but my sort of lifelong healing path with anxious attachment, and that is very much triggered in a very intense way with heartbreak. It's a version of, you know, it's a version of heartbreak and uh, it's a fascinating path that that version of pain that that idea of separation that we can never be separated that we are ever less than you know what i mean those ideas deep down are very pain, painful and it resonates for me that in your ceremony you connected to the d- those deep self love pieces which for me have been critical pieces to alleviating this this version of emotional pain in my life, whether it's in love relationships or with family or with best friends, I've seen it. I've seen this come up everywhere. Uh, this anxious attachment pain and, uh, yeah, the, the integrity, the self-love has, has been very critical in order to heal that. And it has to be going back to the fear, I'm kind of rambling, but going back to the fear piece is it for me, it's not that, oh, I have an insight and suddenly I can just do it and integrate. It's, oh, I have an insight and now I have to be brave. Now I have to be brave to be different in my relationships, to say new things, to show up differently, to be okay with being rejected, to be okay with things not going in any way that I could predict. Basically, really practicing surrender and detachment with coupled with the clarity and integrity in my chosen values at that point in my life. This all sounds very, um, th- it's conceptual thinking rather mm-hmm. than say, you know, I have a pain, I'm going to put a bandaid on it, or I have a pain, I'm going to put, take a pain medicine for it. You know, this is how we respond to a feeling rather than. So rather than treating it with something external to ourselves, we're having to go internal to ourselves and think our way through the problem, correct? It's part of it. I think the mindsets, the ide- the ideas are definitely part of it, for sure, no doubt. I think in order to ground those ideas in our being, in order to anchor them in our psyche, we need the experiences to support that belief. It's one thing to have blind faith and to say, oh, I had some insight and I suddenly believe it. That can happen too. I've definitely seen that. I feel like I've experienced that. But most of the time, it's not that. Most of the time, it's I have an insight and now I need to go out and live it in my life and see if it's true. Ground it in myself, anchor it in myself. And those those pathways have been very healing for me in terms of how I relate with other people and how I relate to myself relative to other people. So this self-love concept and the relationship to fear, I'm just kind of diving inside for a second and I'm thinking about, all right, if my source of love is something that's external to me, it comes from other people, now I'm fearful of that being taken away or that being toxic or painful, you know, that version of love that I 
or, or something that may impersonate love or be called love comes from another person might not feel good in some way. Now, my relationship to other people is associated with pain and the way that I'm interacting is going to end up being a mirror of those fears of having to struggle through those painful experiences again. So this whole self-love concept, if my source of love comes from, I approve of myself, I'm the, I'm the one who is responsible for, or actually the source of my own pat on the back, my own approval, my own soothing, my own nurture, all the things that we think of love in a healthy way, support structure, and then I don't risk feeling pain as an association to these things if they right. aren't, you know, if I have control over them myself, right? Like there's something yeah. that I, I manage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hmm. Definitely. There's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in that, in, in this ownership. Yeah. I mean, I could go, I could go plenty of places with all of this conceptually. <laughs> Are there any other stor- stor- do so. stories on your list? Well, I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a great prompt, this idea of talking about pain, because so many people could take it so many different different ways. Like one of the things that I wrote down on my list that I share at length about in my book, and I'm not trying to promote my book, I'm more saying that's where you can hear this story in its in its entirety. I don't want to share it fully at the moment. But what I share about is my experience being sexually assaulted years ago, and how that experience and that pain was went through its uh, an entire life cycle, as in initially was completely and totally buried, completely unknown to me, basically, and then Mm -hmm. manifested in different versions of fear manifested in different ways of being with, you know, relationships and and whatnot. But why I bring that up is that that I think is a really important thing to talk about when we talk about pain relative to traumas. So like it's different. Okay. I mean, anxious attachment that I look back and I go, okay, that's sourced from my parents getting divorced. And like, there's like some, some obvious, but I wouldn't say there was an acute trauma experience that occurred was more the ways of being that I was surrounded by as a young burgeoning being, as this young, impressionable, super sensitive being. And so as a result, I was imprinted on these with these these things that caused me to be more anxious. And then, of course, I grow to be an adult and it's my task to take that on and go, okay, great. This is how I was imprinted. These are the things that I feel. These are the things that I think relative to other people. It's all stuff that I can look at and dive into. And again, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about it and make it sound all (laughs) conceptual. Of course, when we do this work, it's extremely challenging and rigorous. But why I bring up the assault and that version of trauma is that it's an acute 
thing that can be buried, that can be really hard to dig up because we cover it up, we cover it up, we cover it up. Like, for example, when I realized and sort of had an epiphany about this, this happening to me, basically, one of the things that happened and how I realized it was basically the person that I was dating, we were talking and he shared, we were talking about like some of the things that we just didn't want to talk about. We made a point to have some like, what's something you don't want to share? And, uh, and I brought up this one experience and he helped me see that I was assaulted and helped me really start to take, take off the dismissiveness that can happen when, when this happens to, to anyone, women, men, non-binary, every gender is assaulted sexually. And that's the thing. But that was after I sort of realized this sort of internalized disgust that I had about this experience, that it disgusted me so deeply that I, I again, buried it. And then I put it, I, I basically turned that disgust back to myself. So I carried a belief for a long time that I am disgusting. And so that is clearly false, right? Absolutely clearly false. When Mm -hmm. I look at myself, when I connect to my radiance and all of the things that I am, it's clearly false. So once that idea came up and out and I was aware of it, I realized that I had never told anyone in like 10 years about this experience, 10 years, not one person, not my mom, not my best friends, nobody. And so part of that healing became, oh, I, and I had luckily enough experience at this point in time where I knew that I need to get this, I need to say this. I hadn't done any plant medicine work at that point in my life, but I knew I needed to express it and get it out into a safe space. So I, I happened to be, this was, I happened to be on the world tour at the time. And I immediately called Carolyn and Shannon, my two best friends, and I just to express it to a safe and trusted space. And that was the start of pulling this thing out of my body and really getting it out and getting it to a point where I could share it widely and as a story that would hopefully serve other people, which I believe is the beautiful, true alchemy of all the pain that we actually endure. So that's why that's another reason why for me personally, I'm so called to digging into pain, because I believe it can be the source of our highest contribution. And so anyway, it's, just, it's sort of a long winded story, obviously, but and and rightfully so. Um, and there's more that happened, certainly for me to heal beyond that. But that was a critical starting point. When I identified the trauma, when I had it felt it coming up and out, and there was a part of it where I, the reason I realized it was because some rage started to, like, I was with a friend on the world tour and just, it's again, a long story, which I don't really want to go into at the moment, but I, it came up and out as I was getting I rage. And it was the first time that that rage was felt safe to come up and out of my body. And so I was again, lucky that I knew enough to go, that's telling me something. That, that emotion, what, it, what does that mean? How does this connect to this whole experience? And so that's what led me to the insight. And that's what led me to start sharing it and then starting to dig into it more and more through the healing modalities that I went forward with. 
It's really amazing to see and hear your story. I mean, thank you. First of all, I want to say a couple of things. Thank you for sharing that. That's a massively powerful share. And I applaud you for having the ability to do so, so confidently. And you even said in that share, you said, it's easy to sit here and share. And I was like, what are you talking about? That's not easy. That takes a lot of work to get to the point where you can actually say that, you know? So I applaud you for, for actually approve, you know, working through it to be able to, to deliver and share something like that with such ease. So thank you. Good work. Yeah. Thank and you. I can imagine it how many people out there who are just... having. Yeah, there's. The... <laughs> I believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Yeah. I think of all the people out there who have similar experiences and they'd be going. And and yeah. not a peep coming out, you know, and and like, that's not easy. I'm not talking about that. There's too much pain in that. And mm-hmm. this had my mind going down towards this topic of. Pain that has happened, and and you said this, you said, get this pain out of my body. And we've had, we experience a pain, okay, here in your situation, in this particular example, it's a pain of abuse, right? You've Mm -hmm. been emotionally assaulted, physically assaulted, right? Mm -hmm. So physical assault results in, in emotional pain because, you know, 16 years down the road or whatever period of time down the road, you're not still feeling physical pain, right? Like physical pain has come and gone and what's left is a a, a memory or a resonance of an emotionally painful experience and Correct. even then that is not still occurring right now right like that Correct. pain isn't there isn't anybody here in the room imposing that pain so we're talking about a memory of a pain it's a mm-hmm. it's an imprint and so this is something that I've been doing a lot of work around learning to understand and come to terms with in myself. And I think there's a lot to be gained from looking at this topic. If we think about pain as an imprint or a, a resonant occurrence where I say, okay, when I was 16, this happened, and now I'm afraid of talking about it or I feel pain if that topic comes up or Mm -hmm. if a similar circumstance starts to occur I start to recoil and now all of these types of reactions are relationships to something that's that has happened a past event but it's not actually still happening so Mm -hmm. that knot right there that string when we pull on either end of it We get the knot, we get, pull the string, we get the knot on either end and it starts to like give us the indication of like, oh, this isn't actually going on right now, but I'm still, my body or my mind together is still holding on to this idea of pain. So I'm going to go back to my psilocybin experience and go, okay, I don't have a physical nerve being injured anymore, but my body is still thinks that there's pain and in some way, I need to undo the knot, the mental knot that is pulling on the string, yes. you know, indicating that there's still something happening here when there really isn't. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah, there's an ownership. That's that's one thing that is really powerful. Brene Brown's work is really powerful in the sense of 
stepping into one's story wholly and completely as a part of owning the story fully and then empowering yourself yourself to write the new ending as it were like that's a big deal and again why would i share about this there's theoretically it's not fun to talk about it's not it's it sucks you know what i mean but why i would share is that in hopes like you were saying that people hearing this that are in the pain, because again, I, and I don't mean to promote my book, but I really, it's one of the- th- Mel, let me interrupt you for a second. <laughs> promote your book. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're promote you're your right. Book. You're right. You're totally right. It's one of the- Yeah. It's one of your the- Your book's st- awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It is literally one of the strongest pieces of writing I've ever done. And it is it is in the later chapters of my book and my book, just so that everyone listening knows what it is. It's how to fly life lessons from a professional skydiver. You can get it on Audible and in print. It's fine. But I I recommend it on Audible because it's just best that way, um, I think. But anyway, why I bring that up is that the experience of being weighed down by a pa- painful traumatic memory like that being pulled this pull, having the string pulled as you're as you're talking about is in at least in my experience is one of those things where you desperately want to forget that it happened and you can't you feel like you cannot forget you feel like you cannot escape it how no matter how much you want to and that can be just as a chronic pain can be the emotional version of that where you desperately want to get away from these memories these ideas these thoughts but you feel like you can't and so what i make sure to say in in my writing in the book is about it only feels like you can't but the possibility that you actually can is very real. It might not be the path that you think, and it might involve different versions of healing. Like again, therapy, talking to my best friends, safe spaces, writing, plant medicines. So it's like all kinds of stuff went into getting me down. Cause like, again, the me too movement started and I can't even remember what year, but I knew as soon as that happened, I'm like, I'm going to tell my story at some point. It's going to happen. I, I knew I wasn't ready, but that also was a, a point in my journey with this particular pain point that told me I had more work to do, right? I could not, when that happened, sat on a podcast like this and talked about it. No chance in hell. And so that was evidence to me of further healing. And so that's what I leaned into. And so I just want to impress upon listeners that, any anyone who might be in a similar painful trajectory that it really is possible to heal this stuff and i just want to leave that to just make sure i've said that out loud because i don't want it to be like oh well mel can do it because xyz or whatever i really believe everyone can do it and i love that your story is the same about that that pulling on that string and how you oh oh you can't get rid of it but you actually can and so anyway i digress <laughs> I, I it's a wonderful um 
to dive into this, you know, like you said, it's not a fun topic, but actually it's a great topic because yeah. if we're able to find relief from pain, what greater gift is there? You it know, it seems to me. Yeah. To joy, and, uh, right? I, it just, that's the yeah. thing. Like it opens the door to true joy, bliss. Brene Brown, again, I'm going to quote her one more time. She talks about you cannot selectively numb. So if we avoid the pain, we are absolutely also avoiding the equal and equivalent joy and bliss and connection on the other side. And so that's another reason to relentlessly pursue our pain as the door to get to these experiences in life that are more peak, that are more transcendent, that are more just blissful and joyful. That has definitely been my experience. I wanted to touch on to, to relate the idea that our pains that we experience can be so powerful that we allow them or that they to that we either allow them to or that the experience is so impactful that they are able to become part of our identity. Mm-hmm. The idea, and I, I've lived this, and I'm like, oh yeah, like my whole version of self is based on having had painful experiences, lived through these painful experiences, and now I am the way I am. I am who I am and why I am the way I am because of these painful experiences. And that whole connection of identity to a pain and reliving that pain on a daily basis in every single second of every single day is such a it's prolific through our culture mm -hmm. of attachment to pain and attachment to this. Whatever has happened to me is who I am. And it's just not true. Yes, it, correct. We can move past these things. And my identity does not have to be based in what has happened to me. You are not disgusting. You have never yeah, been. Correct. I am not disgusting. Yeah, correct. Right. Like this. Yes. I've had a disgusting experience. Mm -hmm. I am not disgusting because of it correct right? correct yeah it's big oh. it's really big really really big when we start to and it, it, again it is very scary to go back to the point it is that's another thing that I share and, and make sure to say is that it's some of the most profound work that I've ever done because it was the scariest to really go there. And I, there's other, certainly other parts of my painful, my pain and experience with pain. In, and I don't even like to own it, but the painful experiences that I've had that fall into that realm where it feels terrifying to go there, you know, like, of course, that's regardless of the pain, I think it can feel very, like, again, go back to the beginning. It very feels very scary to try to start moving toward it. But I think you said this the other day where you ran toward it with open arms. <laughs> so that was something yeah. that I started to do as well, where I was like, I need to with power and let, and, and I mean this in a positive sense with power and intention and character and certainty and willingness and, and strength, <clears throat> strength, go toward this thing that I can now see I've been avoiding. And like, there's so much empowerment in that, even though it's scary, there's so much empowerment in that when we start to say, and I'm not saying like, again, it took me, I had this epiphany 
And then it took me six more years or five more years to share about it in my book. And this is the first time I've shared on a on a platform that is a bit more easy to receive. So like this is a big deal. This is years and years in the making. So another thing I like to impress upon people is to take your time to really allow it to be as long as it needs to be for you. Because that matters. The only way I would have gotten to here on this particular story and being able to share about it like this and feel genuinely clear. Like I remember the first time I listened to a podcast about sexual assault and didn't have a physical reaction in my body. It was a notable day where I was like, ah, like I could feel those progress points along the way. And so if I had forced myself or overstressed myself and say, oh God, I have a Me Too story. I got to tell it right now. it, It could easily have hurt me even more. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't have been ready. I would have been speaking from the wound and not the scar. So now I feel like I can really sit here and speak from a healed place versus speaking from the place of needing to still heal something. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've done a great job, Mel. I'm really impressed and I'm honored to hear you share with such authenticity and such, uh, you know, just confidence and just vulnerability because you're just speaking in such a, I know that this has taken time to get here and that's exactly your point. Yeah. But you're able to just speak so clearly and confidently right now. And I think it's an excellent example for anybody, everybody out there who's listening to say, I can do this too. And so me too, I can do this too. I can get to the point where I can speak about this confidently. Me too, I can get to the point where I'm not, my identity of self is not, I'm the pain that I experience, you know, me too. I can be radiant and and loving and joyful, me too. And let's not just have the me too be, I'm me too, because I'm me too. I was assaulted it as well yeah yeah it doesn't you know, surprise two out of three me people have had a, mm-hmm. you know it's 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 almost everybody literally yep. and uh, i've put a lot of thought into this because i i've had assault experiences when i was younger but i don't really have a lot of trauma connected to them yeah. that i'm aware of right so i'm curious if there are traumas that are buried Mm. that are unconscious to me Mm -hmm. so i've done some exploring in my own consciousness to like to try to dig into these experiences and go okay you know i know my mom freaked out at the time my mom was panic state because i you know went through a assault and uh, like but i don't really feel like there's that much trauma related to it so um i I have the intention in my future ceremonies to do more digging in these areas and who knows what's going to come up. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. your role model, Mel. Good job. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And, and just for people yeah. listening, Jay knew about this as a potential topic that I would eventually bring to the table, but that was probably a year ago, maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, yeah. about a year is what I would say when we put that list together of potential topics and just things that we might, might do. Um, and I didn't inform him of the, this. I was going to share this today. I just, I just trusted myself to share if I felt 
it was time. And that's another thing that I think is important in this pain dialogue is the intuition around it as well. And it, how hard it can be to trust that when the, the, the potency of the pain point is still very, very high. So that's another reason why I promote patience is it's, it's just, it's okay to give ourselves gentleness in a process, even if it's like you, Jay, getting the, ex, having the experience of you had major back surgery and it didn't take it all away. It didn't impact what you were going through, right? So that happened many times on my path as well, where I'm like, I could feel myself making progress and I still was like, fuck, like, why the fuck am I still, oh, like thinking about this and oh, like just get out of my fucking brain, like those types of moments too, right? So, yeah, I, I want to come back to this. I've been holding on to this thought and making sure that I don't lose it Please. as there's, there's a pain relationship to our physical body which is something i'm gonna be completely honest with you here that i have not been very good at acknowledging i've go i have this really strange experience where doctors and friends and people look at me and they go holy cow you have a really high pain threshold mm -hmm. and i'm like i think i'm a wimp you know, like i feel like a whiny baby when i feel pain but really what's going on is i have learned or trained myself not to respond to physical pain in my body and what that means is that i'm not acknowledging a voice that really needs to be heard pain is so such a powerful voice within ourselves for a reason right like when something hurts it's to get us to stop doing what we're doing and pay attention to whatever is yelling at us to give it the attention that it's it's demanding. So yeah. if I have a thorn in my foot and I just keep walking on it and ignoring it, it's going to get infected. It's yeah. going to become a problem. And it's telling me, hey, pay attention. Hey, pay attention. Yep. And if if I'm, you know, if I have a pain in my leg and I need to rest, my body's like, hey, you need to rest. This is being overused to the point where it's going to start to receive damage and it's no longer going to work properly. And if I just push on through it, like there ain't nothing happening, I just cause that to that part to become more and more broken. Yeah. So whether this is a now there's there's a connection here between the physical body and okay, yes, my knee is just hurt because I've been walking for 10 hours. I need to stop because it's just getting hot and it's literally a mechanical failure or and I have a part of my body that is pain, ex expressing pain because there's an emotional relationship to something else and it needs attention. Yeah. And this is one of my biggest learning points over the last, say, 10 or 12 years with recognizing pain in the body. And I'm going to share this acronym. I've shared it to two other friends in the last two days, both um, wonderful men. And I'm just going to give these guys a little applause right now. Yeah. Great job, guys, <laughs> for being vulnerable, first of all, for reaching out and looking for help, mm. uh, for say, for being confident enough to say things are not good. I need yeah. some help. I need some direction. I want to reach to a friend. I want to uh, talk to somebody about ways that I can possibly address some of the emotional and 
challenging issues that I'm going through. Beautiful. And both of them reached out to me to talk about some you know, personal challenges over the last few days. And both of them have brought up the topics of going into ceremony of their of certain types, all different types to yeah. address these. And I said, take this tool with you. And the tool is this acronym, which is RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. And the letters RAIN stand for recognize, appreciate, investigate, nurture, and non-attach. And this tool has taken me quite a bit of practice to learn to use effectively and to be able to say, okay, now that I'm feeling uh, twitchy or ugly, I'm itchy, I'm uncomfortable, I'm, I'm agitated. I'm like, whoa, recognize, rec- recognize that you're agitated. Recognize that there's something in the body right now that is saying that there's something wrong. Yes. And not just focus on the agitation, but recognize that there's an underlying cause yes. to that agitation. And that there's something that the body wants me to do. And so I say, okay, I recognize that this is not just an itch. This is my need to look deeper inside. And so I appreciate, I say, thank you for being itchy or for being painful so that I got my attention to this point. And now I can investigate what the true cause of this is and what's the underlying source of that issue, that pain. And I can give it some love. I can nurture it. I can start to pay attention to it in a way where whatever that ignored part of me is that's saying, hey, please listen over here. I give it the love that it needs and I nurture it and I allow it to feel forgiven, allow it to feel loved, allow it to feel cared for. And I do that myself. I give that part of myself the attention that I need and then I let it go. I don't stay identifying who I am by that pain or the healing of that pain. And I non-attach from whatever the cause and whatever the cure is because neither of those is me. Correct. Right. And so I non-attach from these ideas and I just observe them with gratitude and they're gone. Yes. And the pain goes away. And the connection to the emotional cause of that pain goes away. So that RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, yes. recognize, appreciate, investigate, nourish, and non-attach. Yes, I love that. And that's part of my, why I share as well, is it feels like the full alchemizing of it, such that it is fully released and is, mm-hmm. is doing its service that in the world. That is the word right there. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Alchemy. Oh. Yeah. Good, good shit. Turning, some, turning something, a physical pain into an emotional release and yeah. it's gone. It no, it doesn't exist anymore. Oh Literally changing things. Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh my God. We are alchemists. <laughs> I love that. I totally love that. I feel like that's a great place to, to close again. It just as every prompt, everything, you know, we could go on and on about this stuff and I said this the other day, but I mean it. This is stuff you can do for yourself, too. You can prompt yourself into your own dialogues with your close friends, with your family, with yourself. You can prompt yourself to start extracting these stories and then maybe finding places that might have a bit more charge such that you can lean in and go toward it with open arms like we're talking about. Um, But yeah, gosh, I'm just so... Um, I'm so happy everyone is always here with us. Like it really, 
makes such a difference to know and to get the messages that we get that this show makes a difference for you. So just thank you for being here. Thank you for all the times that you share. Thank you for all the subscribes and the, you know, the five stars and the likes and everything. Certainly thank you to our Patreon community and anyone who supports us in any way that feels inspired to you. It, it really does make a difference for us. And we believe it makes a difference for those that you share it with. So thank you. Yeah. Remember, change is the only constant. So if you feel like you're trapped in a situation of pain, remember, it's going to change. It's going to change. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Uh, if you want to support us, you know where to go. Trustthejourney.today. Click like, subscribe, Patreon support, all those things. Love you. Love you. Thanks, Kimberly Joy Voice. Yeah, Kim. Love you, everyone. Yeah.